Hello, my name is John O'Connell, and welcome to AMX Fika Leadership Podcast. So over these podcasts, I'll be speaking to some inspirational and innovative data and analytic contributors from across industry and the health and care sectors. I'll be asking each of them to share with us some of the exciting work they have underway, which is helping to shape the health and care analytics space, as well as asking some of them their motivational insights into their career paths to date. So why FICA? FICA is a social phenomenon in Sweden, I thought I'd borrow. It's a legitimate reason to set aside some really quality time to catch up with friends, family and colleagues over a coffee and a cake. So uh, joining myself today, I'm delighted to be joined by Ram Rajaraman. Welcome, Ram. Thank you, John. Good to be on. Great. Welcome to the podcast. So Ram is the founder and CEO of Chai Analytics. And Ram, uh, you're down as an entrepreneur and you're an AI evangelist uh, and also a leader in digital transformation in healthcare over 12 years. Is that right? Yeah, no, spot on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I believe in your uh, bios reading through, you've supported digital transformation across both hospitals and healthcare. And that you're, I think you're, you mentioned as well last time we spoke, that you're passionate about combining artificial intelligence techniques and other innovative technologies to solve what we class as the complex problems, but most importantly, uh, which are all that quest of improving patient outcomes. Yeah, no, exactly. Big yeah. challenge, but yeah, big challenge, right? And also, I think we 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 hat with Chai Analytics uh, just to say to uh, to our listeners that Ram is on a mission to unlock the uh, value data driven uh, decision making in healthcare. So, big big job there to do. So, Ram, welcome to the podcast. Really great to have you on the Fika podcast. And just to say to all our, our guests, uh, most important question um, on Fika is uh, obviously is coffee and a cake with friends. What are you, a coffee or tea person? And what would be your favorite cake? Oh, definitely coffee, black, no sugar. Um, so definitely fits with the Fika brand. Uh, and cake, oh, that's an interesting one. I think I would go for a, um, just a simple cheesecake, vanilla cheesecake. Good choice, good choice. Oh, so well. <laughs> so um, Ram, just uh, I think we, we spoke about just before the, 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 the podcast, we were saying about obviously these podcasts are about improving and sort of helping develop the uh, professionalization of uh, data analytics as such. And I think, you know, speaking to yourself, it'd be really great for our listeners to sort of share with us kind of you, your journey to date and where you've come from, because I suppose that from a career perspective, it's not always linear. Um, mm-hmm. And any key insights that you've got that you think along the way that you'd be able to share with our listeners would be really uh, helpful if you can share those with us. It'd be really good to hear about. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely, John. Um, so, well, I guess my, my story, um, I'm an electrical and electronic engineer by background. Um, I've had the fortune of working across multiple industries from uh, finance to oil and gas to aerospace. And uh, over the last 12 years, uh, very much focused in and around uh, the healthcare and the NHS space, particularly, as you mentioned earlier on. The the, uh, the golden thread, I would say, across my career has been um, uh, data and technology and and um, I'm sure your listeners will agree that there's there's a, a lot that can be learned from uh, industries outside of health, or at least take inspiration from to drive in, uh, more value into the healthcare space. Um, and especially, I would say, uh, uh, how data plays a critical role uh, in decision making in these industries, and and even more around a demand prediction. Uh, and 
during my time at GE, um, I was I was the EMEA lead for analytics for GE's uh, clinical command center solution that some folk may have come across. Uh, and it's a, sim- a similar journey. It was very much uh, inspiration drawn from another industry, uh, the aviation space to be precise, um, and using uh, using advanced AI-driven analytics. And it was is a good example of how uh, that can drive drive transformation within within the healthcare space. But I guess the, the converse of that is not all good news is we, um, I also kind of experienced the firsthand, um, the challenges in driving innovation uh, due to data privacy regulations and data quality, which I would say kind of the two key areas that we at Chinalytics have been, have been trying to address and form solutions around. Um, so, so I mean, we it's a term that I use often when I speak. Is we believe in something called collective innovation, uh, essentially around you know sum of parts equates to you know one plus one is greater than uh, the sum of parts, as they say. So, um, what what we're focused on is essentially kind of trying to. Uh, I guess, be more drive efficiency in the collection, preparation and sharing of healthcare data so that innovators and researchers driving that collective innovation can focus on exactly what it says in the tin, on the innovation and research um, and, 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 and uh, leave the uh, process of procuring data, which was a sort of challenge in, in my previous life um, to, to, uh, to technology solution providers or other experts in the area. And we've been, we've been focused on developing a uh, a cloud-based uh, data preparation and sharing platform um, that uh, that complies with data privacy regulations, but more importantly, uh, leans on a a new concept called synthetic data, uh, essentially, which which uh, for 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 your listeners, um, it's I guess the, the evolution. The way I would describe synthetic data is the next evolution of pseudonymization and anonymization that everyone's probably very familiar with. Uh, and the, the tr- for the truest sense of the word, synthetic data, I would define it as uh, as essentially a statistically valid copy of uh, the original data set. Uh, but be- and, but it is for all intents and purposes from a GDPR and data privacy perspective, fake in inverted commas. Uh, fake data, effectively, which then which then really lowers the barrier in terms of how it can be shared, but maintains the fidelity and the granularity of the original data set. So you can see the the the, the art of the possible in terms of if that can be done, then uh, it can certainly kind of solve some of those challenges oh, that I experienced in my career. Data. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. It was a good fake. <laughs> yeah, fakes, precisely. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. Oh, it's fascinating. Thanks for sharing that with us. No and 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 just from from those. Two areas that you mentioned about, you know, the importance of data processing and sharing, and obviously the the, the the area that you mentioned about, you know, the importance of demand and capacity approach as well. Taking kind of those two examples and the insights from industry, do you think how, how could the NHS make better use of both of those um, technologies in, in optimizing data processing and data sharing? How could they use them better? Mm-hmm. No, no, good question. Um, so. So when I, I guess I've been thinking about this for quite a while, as you can imagine. So so when I look at data sharing and processing, um, I kind of further break that down into three components. So data privacy, uh, data access, and data quality. So taking taking one at a time. Um, so data privacy, essentially, that's about ensuring that there is a common and, and good understanding of the data privacy guidance and legislation. And NHSX have done um, have moved leaps and bounds in the last year, especially through the, through, through the uh, pandemic uh, with the IG portal and panel. Uh, but again, so uh, pl- plugging the, the synthetic data technology and you know, technologies like synthetic data can support um, that in terms of ensuring that there's a op- optimization of the process and ensuring sharing of information for secondary use is still adherence to 
set regulations. Um, the moving on to data access uh, or data access uh, or sharing. So this is this is what I mean by this is essentially the um, getting access to the data and from through the source systems. Um, and again, a, a, a phrase that everyone will be familiar with, I'm sure, will be interoperability. And, and I guess this is more ensuring that I guess I'm uh, ensuring that technology providers adhere to the to the to the principles of interoperability, and that has to be kind of ingrained in DNA of all products going forward. But kind of going back to technology to support this, I think this is where we should use technology to standardize the process of, of sharing data. And, and what I mean by that is like the, the, the tools and techniques and software solutions that are used to move data from point A to point B should either adhere to the same architecture, the same blueprint, or even, dare I say, should be the same tool, same product. Uh, effectively, and I think that that's critical from one from a, enabling it to be, I guess, managed a little bit better, and therefore uh, regulations set aside in terms of how to process it. But more importantly, from a perception and trust perspective, uh, if if one can understand the process, then they would be able to start building trust on that process. That makes sense. Um, and then the final one that I mentioned is data quality. So not, none of the two that I mentioned will be will be very valuable if the data quality isn't isn't there. And I mean, you could argue that there's a lot of good work that's been happening throughout the industry and in data science around how to improve data quality from from data systems. But I, I guess for me, as, as as much as that is value add, there is a hearts and minds and behaviors piece, at least within the NHS, and and it's it's a lot to ask of frontline staff essentially to focus on data quality and data input if there isn't a feedback loop, if there isn't a clear value proposition in terms of why why should I bother and not, not to kind of put words in anyone's mouth. But uh, and I think, there's, again, this is, there's a lot of behavior change that's happened in the last few years in terms of how insights and analysis is front and center in everyone's minds. But I think that, again, this is where technology and analytical solutions can enable that feedback loop to then drive the behaviors and to promote the behaviors to ensure that data input is accurate and therefore drives data quality. So I think it's a bit of a long game to ensure that at source, um, everyone kind of drives the behaviors to. I mean, we do that now with like things like in, in, with my fitness pal and apps that people use. The feedback loop is there, so everyone kind of focuses on ensuring that the data is as accurate as possible. So it's the same same philosophy, same principle. Yeah, no, I agree with that. It's interesting. I was talking to someone recently uh, talking about IBM uh, with Watson and not quite mm -hmm. achieving the fame it should have. But I said it was a lot of it was based on kind of research data that it had but if mm -hmm. you couple that now with Fitbits and Apple watches exactly what it could do today so it's probably a little bit ahead of its time but needed the good quality data that we were talking about but no absolutely those things about privacy access and data yeah and data quality is absolutely mm -hmm. fundamental that's really good thanks for sharing that oh, pleasure and you when we were talking uh, earlier you, you mentioned as well that you, you're working on um, you know, innovative data analytics you talked about some of the demand the capacity forecasting work mm -hmm. that China analytics are working on are you able to share any insights with, with our listeners on some of the work that you're developing in that area yeah no, absolutely absolutely um and so uh, as you mentioned the, the uh, while I spent a lot of time talking about data privacy and data sharing another feather in uh, in China analytics had is predictive analytics and particularly we're focused on um, predicting demand in near time. And so when I say near time, I'm talking about the next day, the next week, the next month, that in-between time horizon to your real time and your population health management. Um, and and um, in, I would say in the last six months, we've actually kind of focused a lot more into a lesser traveled path than demand capacity forecasting uh, in out-of-hospital and particularly community services. And um, 
I'm sure your listeners will kind of relate to this in the sense that in 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 the past, it's not that um, demand and capacity forecasting wasn't required for community services, is because the data wasn't necessarily in the appropriate uh, structure or quality to enable forecasting and prediction. However, um, in the last in the last few years, that's definitely changed due to uh, investment in community services. Number one, but also um, uh, technology solutions that have. Uh, that have supported community services and kind of a, a byproduct of those solutions is structured outcomes data and you know it kind of drives that um, uh, that data asset within community services and and we've um, we've got the fortune of working with one of our partners one of these providers Malinko uh, who have actually pioneered a, a clinical e-scheduling tool for services and community and um, so what what we're what we're doing is working in one of their uh, one of their clients, a uh, major hospital group in the UK, still early days, hence why I can't kind of uh, name name the hospital group as yet. Um, and but what we're doing is using uh, Malinko's data, uh, outcomes and activity data from an, uh, from the last few years, uh, along with related data sets, and we're we're developing a a demand prediction tool for um, various community services that we we hope that it can then use to drive predictive analytics within. Uh, within uh, within these services and and the hope is that um, at least for this project that we can we're looking at uh, at least a week in advance broken down by day of week uh, and up to a up to a month so I think if we if we pull this off this should hopefully be a a, a, ni- a nice little thing that we can roll across yeah yeah no absolutely we're looking That's forward right. to it because it's mm-hmm. again um, again I'm sure I'm, I'm I'm sure in your in your travels as well John it's um, community services kind of sometimes gets overlooked when it comes to analytics and it's quite nice to be able to uh i guess bolster that oh yeah with with an aging population and looking at population health management you know we can't all stay in hospitals as such not that we'd want to necessarily but we all need to make in the best use of the resources we have and it's it's kind of a service that's been should we say unnecessarily neglected i think i think it'd be great great to see that work and get you back on and hear about once that progresses sounds a really really exciting area thank you john and Ram, as, a, as an entrepreneur, and you know, in the field that you're in, you're currently exploring with AI, and you know, a lot of our analysts on the call, be sort of on the course on the podcast, be listening and thinking about, um, you know, what skills do they need for AI, and you know, what do you think the sort of the NHS should be investing in for future sort of AI skills, and, and you know, what's the likely demand going to be for, for those future sort of skills? Do you think? Mm-hmm. No, good question. It, it is a question I get asked a lot, and um, yeah. I tend to look at it with a slightly different lens to your um, uh, your standard kind of learning Python or R or statistics, and which are all definitely critical skills for for one to invest your time in. Um, because the way I would approach this, um, based on my experience and at least what I've seen in the market, well, firstly I'd expand the term thing AI to uh, to include things like computer vision, uh, robotic process automation, machine learning, uh, VR, robotics. The, the all the buzzwords essentially uh, in one sentence, um, and and I'm sure your listeners will agree that fundamentally, uh, I'm, I'm, I might be sounding like a broken record now, but good data, good data, quality data is what's going to drive all the success in in each of these areas. Um, but con- but in in I guess a complementary thing to good quality data as well is understanding the processes that produce the data. So what I mean by that is like if uh, if if doctor doctor blogs or uh, basically clinician A uh, were to enter some data into their EPR system, 
what is the journey of that key input to the output data at the back end effectively and, to, and completely understanding the clinical process and what it means on the back end, sort of linking in the processes to the to the data output i think that though, so if i kind of break that down into kind of like um two very specific skill sets or roles um my view is that we should invest in skills around data engineering um, so that's uh, that's for, 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 uh, what I mean by data engineering is skill sets around pre-processing and storing off the raw data generated from various clinical systems. Uh, and uh, the second bit I described was workflow process um, uh, elements. I guess there isn't necessarily a a, a role that cover encompasses, but but essentially having the skill set around understanding clinical workflow and, and data processes that, that kind of link both together. So as I said, to, to reiterate, to understand the journey from a clinician entering into a clinical system to the output message or the output data at the back end. I think those are kind of very critical things that will that will determine the success or failure of any uh, venture into AI uh, effectively. So hence why I'm kind of approaching it slightly different, if that makes sense. Very good. And it seems to be on that second row you're saying about, for example, you know, data engineering, but the workflow process obviously it calls for closer collaboration between future analysts, should we say, but working mm -hmm. closely with those SMEs, those doctors, those clinicians, those you know, people that work with the system day in and day out. So quite a harmony together. So it's not just an analyst on their own for the future. Mm -hmm. It's kind of people working together in that space. No, absolutely. And to, and to build on that, I guess, is... is, is um, if we if we look at the individuals who are likely listening to this podcast, you know, you you probably have good experience by osmosis and and um, by operating in in the healthcare system and the processes in healthcare. So it almost feels like we should capitalize on those skill sets and build on that mm -hmm. um, to support the the world of data science and AI. Because I feel like if, if, um, if you speak to any data scientist, essentially the first thing they say is, you know, we understand the statistics, we understand the approaches and the techniques yeah. to apply it, but we don't necessarily have the ground truth or the, the, the business knowledge. So I think there is an opportunity here to kind of create a, a super Cover. data scientist who understands the healthcare system and processes along with how the data is produced and engineered to then drive the algorithmic side of the development. So that's kind of where my mind is going in, in that um, recommendation that I'm making and where we invest in. Brilliant. Ram, no, thanks for, for joining us. Fantastic insights and thanks for sharing. I mean, just from when you started off, I think about the importance of you know lessons learned from industry and what we can learn and you know bringing people in from industry and bringing industry ideas into the NHS, absolutely mm -hmm. fundamental. And I love that thing that you mentioned as well at the beginning, was it sort of collective innovation? And I think, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. working together exponentially increases as well, but, you know, learning from industry, absolutely. And then you, I think you covered off, wasn't it, the, the importance on, on the um, sort of challenges around data, privacy, access, and data quality. Again, we always go back to data quality, but bringing the heart absolutely. and mind and having that feedback loop. You may have it in data, but you have the feedback loop for the people that are inputting, how important that is. And I think, you know, finally, you mentioned as well about, you know, the future roles. I think, you know, um, you mentioned, was it computer vision, you know, mm. Get, getting a good understanding of the process fundamental, but those two roles are, are the data engineers, but the workflow um, process has been equally as important. But what I hear loud and clear of what you're saying is that the importance of collaboration coming through mm -hmm. um, between industry and the healthcare service, but in collaboration across all roles, not just analytics. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. They're well summarised, John. Spot on, yeah. spot on. No. Well, thanks for sharing that. And finally, Ram, you know, outside of your your passion with uh, you know data and decision making in healthcare, what, what do you do? What you, outside of that sort of passion, what do you do to relax? 
Oh, uh, so I I do I am a cyclist, um, so that that keeps me busy for most of my time, uh, and I also am uh, uh, I play the guitar as well on my spare time, which kind of keeps my other side of my brain kind of active, which is fantastic. So we we can follow you either on Strava or I was going to say Twitter. What's, what's your Twitter handle? <laughs> my Twitter handle is at uh, Ram uh, Rajaraman. Great. Thank you. No, lovely to get you on, on, on the on the podcast. And I think, you know, obviously, once we hear a bit more about the community work you're doing, which sounds really, really exciting, it'd be great to get you back on and sort of share some of that work with our listeners. But thank you. Great to listen to you. Thank you. Thanks for having me, John. So I'd like to thank our speaker for joining us today and for everybody else tuning in to this podcast. Uh, look forward to seeing you in the future. <laughs>